The Lightning Thief by Rick Riordan. Chapter one, I accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher. Look, I didn't want to be a half-blood. If you're reading this because you think you might be one, well, my advice is close the book right now, believe whatever lie your mom or dad told you about your birth, and try to lead a normal life. Being a half-blood's dangerous. It's scary, and most of the time, it's gonna get you killed in painful and nasty ways. If you're a normal kid reading this because you think it's fiction, great, read on. I envy you for being able to believe that none of this stuff ever happened. But if you recognize yourself in these pages, you know, you feel something stirring inside, stop reading immediately. You might be one of us. And once you know that, it's only a matter of time before they sense it too. And they'll come for you. Don't say I didn't warn you. My name's Percy Jackson. I'm 12 years old. And until a few months ago, I was a boarding student at Yancey Academy, this uh, private school for troubled kids in upstate New York. Am I a troubled kid? Yeah, you could say that. Now, I, I could start at any point in my short and miserable life to prove it, but things really started going bad last May when our sixth grade class took a field trip to Manhattan. So 28 mental case kids and two teachers on a yellow school bus headed to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to look at ancient Greek and Roman stuff. I, I know, it sounds like torture. Most Yancey field trips were. But Mr. Bruner, our Latin teacher, was leading this trip, so I had hopes. Mr. Bruner was this middle-aged guy in a motorized wheelchair. He had thinning hair and a scruffy beard and a frayed tweed jacket, which always smelled like coffee. Now, you wouldn't think he'd be cool, but he told stories and jokes, and he let us play games in class. He also had this awesome collection of Roman armor and weapons, so he was the only teacher whose class didn't put me to sleep. I hoped that this trip would be okay. At least, I hoped that for once I wouldn't get in trouble. Boy, was I wrong. See... Bad things happen to me on field trips. Like at my fifth grade school when we went to the Saratoga battlefield, I had this accident with a Revolutionary War cannon. I wasn't aiming for the school bus, I swear, but I, I, I got, of course I got expelled anyways. And before that, at my fourth grade school, when we took a behind the scenes tour of the Marine World shark pool, I sort of hit the wrong lever on the catwalk and our class took an unplanned swim. And the time before that, well, you get the idea. This trip, I was determined to be good, but all the way into the city, I had to put up with Nancy Boba Fett, this freckly redheaded kleptomaniac girl hitting my best friend Grover in the back of the head with chunks of peanut butter and ketchup sandwich. Grover was an easy target. He was scrawny and he cried when he got frustrated and he must've been held back several grades because he was the only sixth grader with acne and the start of a wispy beard on his chin. On top of all that, he was crippled. He had a note excusing him from PE for the rest of his life because he had some sort of weird muscular disease in his legs. He walked funny, like every step hurt him, but don't let that fool you. You should have seen him run when it was enchilada day in the cafeteria. Anyway, Nancy Boba Fett was throwing Waz's sandwich that stuck in his curly brown hair and she knew I couldn't do a thing back to her because I was already on probation. The headmaster had threatened me with death by in-school suspension if anything bad, embarrassing, or even mildly entertaining happened on this trip. I'm gonna kill her, I mumbled. Grover tried to calm me down. It's okay, I, I like peanut butter. He dodged another piece of Nancy's lunch. That's it. I started to get up, but Grover pulled me back to my seat. You're already on probation, he reminded me. You know who's gonna get blamed if anything happens. Looking back on it, Oh, I wished I'd decked Nancy right then and there. In-school suspension would have been nothing compared to the mess I was about to get myself into. Mr. Bruner led the museum tour. 
He rode up in front in his wheelchair, guiding us through these big echoey galleries past marble statues and glass cases full of this really old black and orange pottery. Blew my mind that this stuff had survived for two, three thousand years. He gathered us around a 13-foot-tall stone column with a big sphinx on top, and he started telling us how it was a grave marker or a stila for a girl about her age. He told us about the carvings on the sides, and I was trying to listen to what he had to say because it was kind of interesting, but everybody around me was talking, and every time I told him to shut up, the other teacher chaperone, Mrs. Dodds, would give me the evil eye. Now, Mrs. Dodds was this little math teacher from Georgia who always wore a black leather jacket even though she was like 50 years old. She looked mean enough to ride a Harley right into your locker. She'd come to Yancey halfway through the year when our last math teacher had a nervous breakdown. From her first day, Mrs. Dodds loved Nancy Boba Fett and she figured I was devil spawn. She'd point her crooked finger at me and say, now, honey, real sweet, and I knew I was going to get after-school detention for a month. One time, after she'd made me erase answers out of old math workbooks until midnight, I told Grover I didn't think Mrs. Dodds was human. He looked at me real serious and he said, You're absolutely right. Mr. Brunner kept talking about Greek funeral art. Finally, Nancy Boba Fett snickered something about the naked guy in the stila, and I turned around and said, Will you shut up? It came out louder than I meant it to. The whole group laughed. Mr. Bruner stopped his story. Mr. Jackson, he said, did you have a comment? My face was totally red. I said, um, no, sir. Mr. Bruner pointed to one of the pictures on the stela. Perhaps you would like to tell us what this picture represents? I looked at the carving and I, I felt a flush of relief because I actually recognized it. That's Kronos eating his kids, right? Yes, Mr. Bruner said, obviously not satisfied. And he did this because? Well, I racked my brain to remember. Kronos um, was like the king god and god, Mr. Bruner asked. Titan, I corrected myself. And he didn't trust his kids who were the gods, so Kronos um, ate them, right? But, you know, his, his wife hid baby Zeus and gave Kronos a rock to eat instead and... Later on, when Zeus grew up, he tricked his dad, Kronos, into barfing up all his brothers and sisters. Ooh, said one of the girls behind me. And so there was this big fight between the gods and the titans, I continued. And the gods won. Some snickers from the group. Behind me, Nancy Boba Fett mumbled to her friend, like we're going to use this in real life, like it's going to say in our job applications. Please explain why Kronos ate his kids. And why, Mr. Jackson, Brunner said, to paraphrase Miss Bobofit's excellent question, does this matter in real life? Busted, Grover muttered. Shut up, Nancy hissed, her face even brighter red than her hair. At least Nancy got packed too. Mr. Brunner was the only one who ever caught her saying anything wrong. He had radar ears. I thought about his question and shrugged. I don't know, sir. I see. Mr. Brunner looked disappointed. Well, then have credit, Mr. Jackson. Zeus did indeed feed Kronos a mixture of mustard and wine, which made him disgorge his other five children, who, of course, being immortal gods, had been living and growing up completely undigested in the titan's stomach. The gods defeated their father, 
sliced him to pieces with his own scythe, and scattered his remains in Tartarus, the darkest part of the underworld. And on that happy note, it's time for lunch. Mrs. Dodds, would you please lead us back outside? The class drifted off. The girls were holding their stomachs. The guys were pushing each other around, acting like total doofuses. Grover and I were about to follow, and Mr. Bruner said, Mr. Jackson, I knew that was coming. I told Grover to keep going, and then I turned toward Mr. Bruner. Sir? Mr. Bruner had this look that wouldn't let you go. You know, these intense brown eyes. It could have been a thousand years old and seen everything. You must learn to answer my question, Mr. Bruner told me. About the Titans? About real life and how your studies apply to it. Oh, uh, what you learn from me, he said, is vitally important. I expect you to treat it as such. We will accept only the best from you, Percy Jackson. I wanted to get angry. This guy pushed me so hard. I mean, sure, it was kind of cool on tournament days when he got dressed up in a suit of Roman armor and shouted, What ho! And challenged us sword point against chalk to run to the board and name every Greek and Roman person who ever lived and their mother and what god they worship. But Mr. Brunner expecting me to be as good as everybody else, despite the fact that I've got dyslexia and attention deficit disorder and I never made above a C- minus in my life. No, he didn't expect me to be as good. He expected me to be better. And I just couldn't learn all those names and facts, much less spell them correctly. So I mumbled something about trying harder while Mr. Bruner took one long sad look at the Stila like he'd been at this girl's funeral. And he told me to go outside and eat my lunch. The class gathered on the front steps of the museum where we could watch the foot traffic along Fifth Avenue. Overhead, a huge storm was brewing with clouds blacker than anything I'd ever seen over the city. I figured maybe it was global warming or something because the weather all across New York State had been weird since Christmas. We'd had massive snowstorms, flooding, wildfires from lightning strikes. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was a hurricane blowing in. Nobody else seemed to notice. Some of the guys were pelting pigeons with Lunchables crackers, and Nancy Boba Fett was trying to pickpocket something from a lady's purse, and of course Mrs. Dodds wasn't seeing a thing. Grover and I sat on the edge of the fountain away from the others. We thought that if we did that, everybody wouldn't know that we were from that school, you know, school for loser freaks that couldn't make it elsewhere. Did you get detention? Grover asked. Nah, I said, not, not from Brunner, you know. I just wish he'd lay off me sometimes. I mean... I'm not a genius. Grover didn't say anything for a while, and then when I thought he was going to give me some deep philosophical comment to make me feel better, he just looked at me and said, Can I have your apple? I didn't have much of an appetite, so I let him take it. I watched a stream of cabs going down Fifth Avenue and thought about my mom's apartment only a little ways uptown from where we sat. I hadn't seen her since Christmas. I wanted so bad to jump into a taxi and head home. She'd hug me and be glad to see me, but she'd be disappointed too. She'd send me right back to Yancey, remind me that I had to try harder, even if this was my sixth school in six years, and was probably going to get kicked out again. No, I, I wouldn't be able to stand that sad look she'd give me. Mr. Bruner parked his wheelchair at the base of the handicap ramp. He ate celery while he read a paperback novel. A red umbrella stuck up from the back of his chair, making it look like a motorized cafe table. I was about to unwrap my sandwich when Nancy Boba Fett appeared in front of me with her ugly friends. 
I guess she'd gotten tired of stealing from the tourists and she dumped her half-eaten lunch right in Grover's lap. Oops, she grinned at me with those crooked teeth. Her freckles were orange, you know, like uh, somebody had spray-painted her face with liquid Cheetos. I tried to stay cool. The school counselor told me a million times, count to ten and get control of your temper. I was so mad, my mind went blank. A wave roared in my ears. I don't remember touching her, but the next thing I knew, Nancy was sitting on her butt in the fountain screaming, Percy, push me! Mrs. Dodds materialized next to us. Some of the kids were whispering, Did you see that? The water. Yeah, it's like it grabbed her. I didn't know what they were talking about. All I knew was that I was in trouble again. As soon as Mrs. Dodds was sure poor little Nancy was okay, promising to get her a new shirt at the museum gift shop, etc., etc., Mrs. Dodds turned on me. There was this triumphant fire in her eyes, as if I'd done something she'd been waiting for all semester. Now, honey, I know, I grumbled, a month of erasing workbooks, but that wasn't the right thing to say. Come with me, Mrs. Dodds said. Wait, Grover yelped, it was me, I, I pushed her. I stared at him, stunned. I couldn't believe he was trying to cover for me. Mrs. Dodd scared Grover to death. She glared at him so hard his whiskery chin trembled. I don't think so, Mr. Underwood, she said. But it was... It, you will stay here. Grover looked at me desperately. It's okay, man, I told him. Thanks for trying. Honey, Mrs. Dodds barked at me. Now. Nancy Bubbuffet smirked. I gave her my deluxe I'll kill you later stare, and then I turned to face Mrs. Dodds, but she wasn't there. She was standing at the museum entrance, way at the top of the steps, gesturing impatiently at me to hurry up. How did I get up there so fast? I have moments like that a lot, when my brain falls asleep or something, and the next thing I know, I've missed something, as if a puzzle piece fell out of the universe and left me staring at the blank place behind it. The school's counselor had told me that, you know, it was part of the ADHD, my brain misinterpreting things. I wasn't so sure. I went after Mrs. Dodds. Halfway up the steps, I glanced back at Grover. He was looking pale, cutting his eyes between me and Mr. Bruner like he wanted Mr. Bruner to notice what was going on, but Mr. Bruner was absorbed in his novel. I looked back up. Mrs. Dodds had disappeared again. She was now inside the building at the end of the entrance hall. Okay, I thought, you know, she's... um gonna make me buy a new shirt for Nancy at the gift shop. But apparently that wasn't the plan. I followed her deeper into the museum, and when I finally caught up to her, we were back in the Greek and Roman section. Except for us, the gallery was completely empty. Mrs. Dodd stood with her arms crossed in front of a big marble frieze of the Greek gods, and she was making this weird noise in her throat, like a, a growling. Even without the noise, I would have been nervous. It's weird being alone with a teacher, especially Mrs. Dodds. Something about the way she looked at the freeze as if she wanted to pulverize it. You've been giving us problems, honey, she said. I did the same thing. I said, uh, yes, ma'am. She tugged on the cuffs of her leather jacket. Did you really think you were going to get away with it? The look in her eyes was beyond mad. It was evil. But she's a teacher, I thought nervously. It's not like she's gonna, you know... It hurt me. I said, I, <clears throat> I, I'll try harder, ma'am. Thunder shook the building. We are not fools, Percy Jackson, Mrs. Dodd said. It was only a matter of time before we found you out. Confess. 
and you'll suffer less pain. All right, I, I didn't know what she was talking about. All I could think of was that the teachers must have found the illegal stash of candy I'd been selling out of my dorm room. Or maybe they realized I got my essay on Tom Sawyer from the internet without ever reading the book. And now they were gonna take away my grade. <gasps> no, no, oh, or worse, they were gonna make me read the book. Well, she demanded, ma'am, I, I don't understand. Your time is up, she hissed. Then the weirdest thing happened. Her eyes began to glow like barbecue coals. Her fingers stretched, turning into talons. Her jacket melted into large leathery wings. She wasn't human. She was this shriveled hag with bat wings and claws and a mouthful of yellow fangs, and she was about to slice me to ribbons. Then things got even stranger. Mr. Bruner, who'd been out in front of the museum just a minute before, wheeled his chair into the doorway of the gallery, holding a pen in his hand. What ho, Percy, he shouted, and he tossed the pen through the air. Mrs. Dodds lunged at me. With a yelp, I dodged and felt talent slash the air next to my ear. I snatched the ballpoint pen out of the air, but when it hit my hand, it wasn't a pen anymore. It was a sword, Mr. Bruner's bronze sword, which he always used on tournament day. Mrs. Dodd spun toward me with a murderous look in her eyes. My knees were jelly. My, my hands were shaking so bad I almost dropped the sword and she snarled, Die, honey! And she flew straight at me. Absolute terror ran through my body. I did the only thing that came naturally. I swung the sword. The metal blade hit her shoulder and passed clean through her body like she was made of water. Mrs. Dodds was a Sandcastle on a power fan. She exploded into yellow powder, vaporized on the spot, leaving nothing but the smell of sulfur and a dying screech and a chill of evil in the air, as if those two glowing red eyes were still watching me. I was alone. There was a ballpoint pen in my hand. Mr. Bruner wasn't there. Nobody was there but me. My hands were still trembling. My lunch must have been contaminated with magic mushrooms or something. Could I imagine this whole thing? I went back outside. It had started to rain. Grover was sitting by the fountain, a museum map tended over his head. Nancy Boba Fett was still standing there, soaked from her swim in the fountain, grumbling to her ugly friends. And when she saw me, she said, I hope Mrs. Care whipped your butt. I said, who? Our teacher, duh. I blinked. We had no teacher named Mrs. Care. I asked Nancy what she was talking about, and she just rolled her eyes and turned away. So I asked Grover where Mrs. Dodds was, and he said, who? But he paused first, and he wouldn't look at me, so I thought maybe he was messing with me. This is not funny, man, I told him. This is serious. Thunder boomed overhead. I saw Mr. Bruner sitting under his red umbrella reading his book like he'd never moved, and went over to him. He looked up a little distracted. Ah. That would be my pen. Please bring your own writing utensil in the future, Mr. Jackson. I handed Mr. Bruner his pen. I, I didn't even realize I was, I was still holding it. Sir, I said. Where's Mrs. Dodds? He stared at me blankly. Who? The other chaperone, Mrs. Dodds, the, the pre-algebra teacher. He frowned and sat forward, looking mildly concerned. Percy, there is no Mrs. Dodds on this trip. As far as I know, there has never been a Mrs. Dodds at Yancey Academy. Are you sure you're feeling all right? 